It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Play Tessie. It is episode 31, the John Lester episode. But actually, I should probably say it's the Jonathan Papelbon episode because this is the official podcast of playing 162 games, and we got Jonathan Papelbon on the show. Fellas, what do you say? Oh, dude, that interview was electric. People are going to love it. Yeah, that... I didn't know if the personality would convey like over a video. Um, it exudes that lived up to the bill exponentially. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm, I'm like buzzing. I feel like I just drank coffee yeah. just cause he's so pap is like, it's infectious. The energy like goes through the screen and you just want to yeah. like yell and strike out uh, Smith from Colorado and win the world series again. That'd be dope. I feel like I just drank a bunch of crown. <laughs> it also uh, made me remember how good it feels to have like a closer, a rotation, a lineup one through nine that you can go, oh, these guys are good. A like the basics. Team. But I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be positive today. We had an awesome we had interview. That. Uh, I'm excited to hear what people think of it. Pap, Pap was was on Red Sox. What was his first year? He what, did he make his debut in 05, but his first real season was 06. Yep. I'm right on that. Yeah. And then he was on the team through 11, a.k.a. he pretty much – had a competitive team every single year. He was with the Red Sox and was in the playoffs more often than not. Like this is a guy who closed out a world series with like a blow it right by your face strikeout. Seth Smith, like yeah, this guy did it all for the Red Sox. Like, I mean, yeah, nowadays it's like, he's, he's doing like podcasts. He's on Nesson. Uh, he's doing the Cinco Ocho show. And like, he's doing what he should be doing. Cause his personality is so freaking awesome. Like he's got to be out there, but like, People of our age demographic, like we remember this guy when we were kids. Like Jonathan Papelbon was our guy. Like we, I mean, like we had Keith Folk. I mean, Sammy, I don't know how you feel because you're like a year or two older than me, but like I, I remember a little bit of Keith Folk, but like my childhood closer was Jonathan Papelbon. How old do you guys think? I, I'm not even, I'm 20. Okay. Anyone listening, I'm 29 years old. These guys talk about me like I'm 58 years old. Um, no, I what remember. Jim Rice like? <laughs> I was at his debut. Yeah, freaking uh, Coop was talking about being at Papel Bond's debut, and I I still remember like Green Monster with no seats. But anyway, um, Keith Folk. Yes, Wait, was I that a joke or is that real? What? No, I really do. I remember my. Oh, first you really do? I went. Pedro was pitching. It was against the Devil Rays, and I remember there were no seats. And then I remember they put in the seats, and just being like, "How are you gonna get up there?" And the little kid ladders exist. So. 
this is why we this is why we think you're old dude i can't my first like i there's been seats there as long as i can remember i don't when i see no seats there i automatically assume it's like footage from the 80s oh my god back in my day gordo i would go to a red sox game for a nickel it was wonderful but no um keith i do remember keith folk um I remember not understanding the significance of him because when he was signed, it was a big deal. That was the same offseason where it was like, we might get A-Rod, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Folk came in, and one thing I remember vividly was going to a Red Sox game, sitting in right field, and seeing someone with a shirt that said, Folk the Yankees. And I didn't, I kind of understood the joke. But I showed it to whoever I was with, my dad or uncle or whoever took me to the game. They were like, it's a play on words for fuck the Yankees. Well, how old were you? I was like, wait, no, I'm not answering this. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, you were like, you were like 20 years old in 04, right? Uh, how old was I? No, I was 10. I was 10. Yeah. So I mean, 24 you're... years old. It was his man a year. Yeah, when you saw Jim Rice in Pawtucket, you were 30. <laughs> I hate you guys. <laughs> you guys, you, okay, well, what? yeah, I remember Keith Folk anyway. To get to the, the point of the question, he had a nasty changeup, and I that was kind of like how I learned changing speeds matters. Because to me, it's slow, who cares? But then you learn, like, you play off the fastball, and it, you know, anyway. But yes, uh, Papelbon for... Our age demographic, I would say, is the closer that we remember, remember the most, especially the big personality, the throwing the glove in 2007, the good and the bad. Crawford probably should have caught that ball, but, you know, we love Pat. Yeah, yeah, there was so much that went with him. And, like, obviously, after he, he departs for Philly, what, what did they – what was their immediate solution? Because there was a year in between him and Bailey, right? Or No, no, they went was straight to Melanson? Bailey, right? It was Melanson, no, no. wasn't it? Oh, it was Melanson. Melanson in 2012, and then 2013 was Joel Hanrahan. That didn't work. Then it was Andrew Bailey. That didn't well, work. Then hold it was on, Bailey. Tizawa, and then it was Koji, which worked. Bailey was Bailey a was World Series champ, well. though. Yeah, but he just he didn't work as the closer. Right. Yeah. So did they try him and Melanson in year? Did they get both of those guys? That that sounds about right. Like because Melanson I, wasn't pretty sure. Yeah. Team. So then they hand hand that doesn't work, and you've got Koji and like you're set. Was there something in between Koji and Kimbrel? Uh, what what year? Kimbrel came in 2017. Oh um, geez, there must have been two years in between. We must have. Who the hell was saving games? I mean, those teams stunk anyway. It wasn't like Workman. No, nah, he came later. He he closed in 19, right? Yeah, because Kimbrel left. They made the playoffs those years too. Um, no, the, why are we all Kimbrel, blinking? Kimbrel came Kimbrel in sixteen. Kimbrel came in sixteen, oh. so it's just fifteen. It's just fifteen oh. that we're missing. Okay, Koji. Why? it was Koji. Was Koji okay. still there in fifteen? Okay, that would make yeah. sense then. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We 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 figured it out. That makes sense. A smooth you know who else was power. on the You know who else was on the twenty fifteen team? Alexi Ogando. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Gordo last night in our in our play Tessie group chat just sent like this weird picture of Alexi Ogondo in like swim trunks. And he was like, Closer? Oh. question mark? He was just like, Ogondo, 
<laughs> Why would you send this? I have another uh, one in, in the in the waiting. I was scrolling through his Instagram. I took a couple screenshots just to send you guys at random times. So maybe maybe tonight I'll send you guys the other. But send it, send on that note, <laughs> well, on the just like the transition from uh from Koji to Kimbrel, I'm going to transition this to our interview with former Red Sox closer, current Nesson broadcaster, and the leader of the Cinco Ocho show, Jonathan Papelbon. We're joined by a special guest today, kind of the man of the hour. He's the Red Sox all-time saves leader by a clean 87 saves, 2007 World Series champion, and newly a Red Sox Hall of Famer. It's former Red Sox closer, Jonathan Papelbon. Pap, how are you doing, man? How's your offseason going? How's your family? Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah, man, I'm chilling, um, trying to figure out what I'm going to do with Nesson this year. Um Man, raising kids, you know, this shit never stops here, man. Living the life. Pap, I got to ask. We, we got to go over the Cinco Ocho show first. That was incredible. First thing we got to know, how did you prepare for it? And are you happy with how it went? So I, I really honestly have not seen the show yet, to be totally honest with you. Um, or the, the final edit. Um, but... Yeah, I didn't really prepare at all for it, to be totally honest with you. Um, I think they told me on a Tuesday or Wednesday, something like that. And then, it, and then the event was on Saturday, so um, I really didn't prepare a whole lot. Uh, I will say that my main method of preparation on the day of was Crown Royal, essentially. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so um, like, well, I, honestly and truthfully, I, I'm not going to even bullshit you, man. I just kind of flew by the seat of my pants, and I just tried to make the show as interesting as that I thought would be interesting, things that I thought would be interesting, and then, you know, of course, have a little fun at the end with some of my ex-teammates, you know? Yeah, man. What what did you what was it like for you talking to some of the guys on the current team? Like, you got to, you got to speak to Casas, to Story, you were talking to Cora. Uh, talking shit about the past. Uh, what was that like for you up there? Well, you know, <clears throat> today, today's player to me is a little bit different. Um, I think that today's player um, is much more open. Um, I, I noticed that, man, like, Core has a dialect with all these players, um, and he has, like, a relationship with every last one of them that were there. Um, and, and in the past, I can't recall – you know, Tito had great relationships with his players, but I can't recall all of my managers having that good of one-on-one -on -one relationships with everybody. So I was really surprised to see that. Um, and, and not only that, I was surprised to see it, all the guys that showed up um, that, you know, to me, that says that they care. Um, and, and to me, I still, I, I still feel like the Red Sox have uh, something up their sleeve. Um, Without, you know, trying to divulge too much information, I, f I feel like um, the Red Sox front office, the coaches and the staff all know what they got. And um, I saw that the line today was 82 wins with Vegas, so I'll be taking the over on the Red Sox this year at 82. Um, I like that prop. So, yeah. 
Um, I think they have a lot of good young talent that is waiting to explode. I think Duran's waiting to explode. I think Devers is going to have a better year than he had last year. I don't think he was satisfied last year. I think he's going to start taking a little bit more leadership role. I challenge Trevor Story um, over winter on a weekend to stay healthy, and how is he going to do that? Because I believe being on the field, and, and, and not only that, but availability is the best ability in the big leagues. Okay, you can't you, you don't make money hurt. You don't help your team hurt. You got to be available. And so I think he knows that. And um, of course, we got Costas, you know, um, I, I challenge him to have a, a better year than he did last year. You know, um, a lot of kids, I feel like would have been satisfied with it his year last year. I don't think he was. I really, truly don't think he was. And, and that reminds me of myself a lot. You know, um, no year was really good enough. So. We'll see, you know, like I said, I think that those guys in that clubhouse and in that office know exactly what they got. And I believe it's a lot better than what people think. Speaking of Casas, give me like a, give me an over under on his home run total for next year. What do you got? Well, uh, to me, um, I don't know what his own – I haven't looked at that yet, but um, I'm expecting 25 or more easy. Um, I think he's got the power. I think uh, I, I think he reminds me a lot of Ortiz in the fact that that wall – he's using that wall to his advantage. Um, as a left-handed hitter in Fenway Park, you don't have to pull the ball. So – your advantage there is is always an advantage as a left-handed hitter. Um, we may not have no David Ortiz if he doesn't come to Fenway. To be totally honest with you, it changed his whole career. Um, so I'm liking what I see out of him. And, and not only that, I think um, he understands that you know going into this year that I'm going to be pitched a little bit different. You know, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to have to be a little bit more patient. I'm going to have to pass the baton, so to speak, to, to the guy that's sitting behind me, whether it's Devers or Story. And, um, you know, it's going to, it's going to have to be um, a different, a little bit different approach because he will get pitched different, but he knows that and he's expecting that. So that's what I like. So kind of going off, you were saying like Costas is like this young, hungry player. One thing that I've always kind of wondered, especially like for someone like you who kind of rising through the ranks of the minors was a starter all along. How like does the mindset in kind of change as you're asked to go to this big bullpen role? Are you kind of yeah, pissed about me, it or? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll tell you the backstory to that. Uh, kind of funny. Um, you know, I got out of college. They wanted me to start. And so I said, you know, I didn't really have much say. So I'm a college kid. I, I think I got back then, which was a lot of money. I think I got like 480 grand. I bought a new truck, put some rims on it and a house. And so that shit was gone. And um, I quickly realized that, you know what? Like I, I got to start working my ass off here. And um, so make a long story short, they wanted to start me. And I agreed to it until I realized in 2005 when I got called up and I was on the playoff roster and got to pitch out of the bullpen. I was like, man, this is this is it. This is the ticket. This is what gets me, man. And I just felt it. Um, I knew it. And I knew that this role would be something that I could be successful in and get me up ready to pitch every day. So I went into spring training in 2007, and I said, I said, uh, uh, 
I said, Frank Cohn, I said, call up Theo. I want to have a meeting, the three of us. He was like, oh, shit, Pat, what the fuck do you want to talk about? Like, it's just, we got to get through spring training, man. I said, no, we got to talk. And uh, I said, uh, I ain't a starter no more. And they're like, they start laughing. They're like, what? I was like, yeah, I want to close. And they're like, yeah, well, we're thinking about maybe having Tim Lee close. We'll find a closer by the end of the spring training. Blah, blah, blah. You're going to start in the spring. Of course, I was pissed about starting. And um, I kind of said to them, I said, okay, all right, so y'all want me to start. Um, and I think then Wakefield was our fifth starter. I mean, so, like, we are sitting pretty without me involved. And um, I said, okay, I'll make y'all a deal. I'll start off spring training, but by the two weeks that are left of spring training, if we don't have a closer, I'm closing. And I kind of knew that we, what guys we had in the bullpen weren't going to kind of cut it at the time. Not that they weren't good. Timlin, Manny, they were all good. I just, I just knew what we had. And so, uh, sure enough, you know, two weeks of spring training come along, and they're like, shit, Pat, we have no closer, really. You're going to close for us this year. And so that's all she wrote. That's awesome. You think that if you didn't advocate for yourself that you maybe wouldn't have become the closer? No question. No question about it. Like it, 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 I look back on this at all the time and I'm like, shit, you know, I mean, these GMs and these coaches, you know, they feel, and they do know their stuff. They know their shit. But at the end of the day, I'm a firm believer in if I have a player and if he is feeling something or or like if this is another thing like like listen to your players and i feel like that's what cora does very very well and he's very lenient i mean i don't know how lenient he was on verdugo this year but obviously gave him chance after chance until we were like you know the hell with this kid but the end of the day you listen to your player because i view that player knows what he wants to go do and so um I don't know, man. I was a different breed back then, though. I was, um, you know, I was cocky, and I thought I knew everything and um, would run through a wall. But, you know, that's just how it was, man. And, and I'm glad they accepted it. I'm glad that, you know, I feel like the Red Sox accepted me. Theo was great for me. Theo always communicated me. He told me I was an idiot sometimes. But, hey, we had a great open line. And, and I feel like that is a success for guys being successful, putting them in success positions you know Pap, i can't imagine you in any other role outside of closing out games in the ninth inning like any other role in the bullpen starting nothing which it's so strange thinking like if you would come up in some of these organizations today that don't have traditional closers like you might be all over the place like i'm curious coming from you you know the former closer jonathan papabon like what do you think of these teams that think you know, we can get by closer by committee. We don't need a set closer. What do, you, what do you think of that? Man, that's a great question because baseball is starting to head that way. I've always been a firm believer in you need a closer, man. You, I don't Look, I don't give a shit if you're LeBron in LA on a basketball team, a football team, a hockey team, or a baseball team. If you don't have someone that has enough set of nuts to say, give me the rock, I'm going to close this son of a bitch out, night in and night out and, and that is their role and they know hey lebron you're getting the ball close it out you know hey Pasternak, or however you say his name hey you're getting the puck here we're, we're set we're, we're gonna devise a play so that you get the puck right whatever the case may be 
you got to have that on a team. I feel like you have to have that. And, and in baseball, what makes it hard is is this whole high leverage situation. Um, and so now you're creating a different role for the closer. And so, man, hell, I honestly feel like a lot of my Red Sox and Phillies records might be safe. I mean, I know records are being made to be broken, but the closers just aren't being used like they used to be. But not that that really matters, but – to me, it makes it so much harder for a reliever to go out there and be like, oh, shit, you're pitching the seventh today. Oh, I got to change it. Oh, shit, you're in the ninth today. So it's, it's a little harder to me. So I don't know how to eloquently put this. Does it fuck with the psyche of the rest of the bullpen if there isn't a closer, like a guy that you know is coming in, a Kenley Jansen type, a guy like you? Does it mess with the other guys? No shit. Yes, yes. No shit, yes. I mean, because now you're looking upon someone else like, oh, you shit, now you got to get it done today. Maybe he's never been in that role before. So, oh, shit, man, that fucks with your psyche. Then you got to go and say, okay, well, we got to pick up early innings if the, if the starter doesn't go. So there really are no set roles in major league bullpens anymore which I believe it makes it a lot harder um, for relievers in this game. And, I mean, what is the quality start now? Is it still six innings or? Yeah. Six innings, three earned runs, so a four-and-a-half ERA. Nobody's doing quality starts anymore. I mean, that's a rarity. So, um, you know, like last year what really pissed me off, is, and I said this a lot, I said in Major League Baseball, if you have your bullpen that throws more – innings than your starters, which happened in Boston last year, you're up shit creek, man. Yeah. Amen. We talk about that a lot on this show. Pat, speaking of the game today, uh, there was a certain player who made headlines this week, former teammate Anthony Rendon, who said that the season should be significantly shorter considering he only plays 70 games a year anyways. What do you think about that? Well, I think you've seen my, my, my post on Twitter about it. Um, I adamantly disagree. Yeah. Um, and if you do feel that way, you don't fucking say it. Um, look, yeah, of course the season's long, man. I didn't grind through shit, but I'm not going to go and bitch and complain about it. I mean, it's what I signed up for. It's what I'm getting paid for. And at the end of the day, it's what I enjoy. So, right, like, so and it even goes into, like, even with my company. Like, if I have an employee and, and he doesn't enjoy what he's doing and want to go out and, and, and one of my salesmen want to go, I tell him this. I said, listen, guys, you want to go fucking eat steak every night? Go kill steak. You know what I'm saying? You want to eat McDonald's? Then go after McDonald's, whatever. But to me, you don't just say it. And, and that's what kind of irked me. And I played with Rendon and um, he was much like a JD Drew type player where there was never any energy. And it was always like, oh, I'm in the lineup again today, I guess. And it's just like, it's hard when you grind out, it's hard for the rest of the team not to succumb to that bullshit. You know, I was just like, gonna say that. I would imagine someone who doesn't want to be there isn't that fun to like play with. Like that's got to be such a fucking buzzkill. Yeah, dude. It's like it's like going to the club and like your buddy's like, oh no, I think I'm gonna stay sober tonight. You know what I mean? You're like, Get the fuck out. <laughs> so I, to me, it's just like 
number one, you just don't say it. If that's the way you feel, just don't say it, man, because not your teammates sure the hell don't want to hear that. Yeah, nobody. That's for no, no one, one does. Yeah. And, and on top of that, bro, you're getting paid. You got a contract for two hundred forty million, so that makes it even worse. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, I, I can definitely confirm, you know, that the love of the game is just not in in, in those veins with Rendon. I can just, you know, for me, I'd love to show up every day. My goal was to be Pedroia to the field. And, um, you know, it was just – that's what's missing in today's game, man. That's the one thing that I – there's no more, like – family culture brotherly culture you know what like we can all fight or we can all go out the night before you know drink and have fun party but at the end of the day we're all coming together for one common goal you know and you know that has kind of changed in the game um but you know and 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 some players evolve from it like I, i look at bryce man there's nobody more that i cheer for today than bryce bryce is you know, accepted his role as a leader and accepted his role now as like, you know, I'm, I'm being leaned upon. I accept it. Like, you know, I answered my critics and, you know, he made, he, I, I, he necessarily wasn't like that when I played with him, but now, you know, I'm not saying that our, our event and what we got into it is because of it, but he's evolved, right? He's evolved into a, a, a fucking outstanding player now. Yeah. And a leader and a leader. <laughs> Yeah, one of the best. One of the best they have in the game today. Yeah, I was uh, really, really, really surprised that the Phillies. You know, uh, that's baseball. You know, there are those three-one collapse. But I was really surprised last year on that. Yeah. Well, Pat, that Rendon question or that answer came to be from a question of what would you change about the game if you could change anything, and he said that. So I'm curious for you. If someone asked you, I'll ask you. If you could change anything about the game, rules-wise or whatever, what would you change? I'd get rid of the pitch clock. But, see, I'm old school, man. So, to me, when I showed up to the park and I knew we had a ceiling going against Clemens, uh, Pedro going against Mussina, bro, those were the fucking days, man. Like, I'm sorry, but that's a damn baseball game, okay? And to me, those games were two and a half hour long games, right? There was no pitch clock. There was a, you know, and I get it. The fans want to see home runs, but the home runs are calm, man. It's just to me, um, but I know this, <laughs> my wishes of that will never happen because it's, it's already evolved. Um, but I, w- I would like to see to, to, to get rid of that because, you know, now the hitters, they do have a slight advantage, but what are you going to do about it? You have to be able to, you know, make your adjustments too as a pitcher. So, um, me and Joe West used to get into this pitch clock. Yeah, he's an umpire. I don't know if y'all know who he is. He's Oh, yeah, Cowboy Joe. That's, you know, that's, that's your boy. Yeah, Cowboy Jim's a fucking idiot, but anyway. <laughs> We used to get into it all the time. And he'd be like, he literally be yelling to me on the, get on the mat, let's go. And I'm like, and I would step off and I would say, don't fucking talk to me. Shut your mouth. You know, like interrupting me and my game and my process. I was like, you're an umpire. Like, like, shut up, dude. And this was even before the pitch clock. Um, so, 
I don't know, man. I, I'm not a big fan of pitch clock. I guess I'll say it. Oh, man. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll take it back to uh, someone who does love baseball, Terry Francona. So I know this is a tough question. Can you give us a, a podcast appropriate Terry Francona story? Um, yeah. <laughs> Terry Francona's big thing was, um, you know, he was more of our psychiatrist and our actual, I'm going to get in trouble saying this, but um, Terry Francona didn't manage shit. Okay. <laughs> Terry Francona was the greatest dad, brother, proprietor, like helper, psychiatrist. Like he was literally, our, bro, you're talking about having to deal with David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, Kevin Euclid, myself, fucking Kurt Schilling. I mean, like, you know, so he did such an, a phenomenal job of just literally just being a, 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 a stable force so that when, you know, Manny was trying to attack everybody with a bat, you know, one day he'd go crazy or you know, he would hand, like there was just shit that he would handle that may, he made it so easy. And then it was funny because we go out to the game and he, he'd be so worried about his players or flustered, just, you know, so worried about the, the players that he couldn't fucking manage. Dude, Brad Mills literally made, 99.9% of the calls when I play for Terry Francona. Thank God we had Brad. Thank God we had Brad Mills. That's, well, that's so funny. I mean, he's over subject. there literally like stressing. I don't know. You can go back and look at it. Like, and, and when I tell you, go back and look at how many times he would look at Brad. Like, hey, 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 what are we going to do? <laughs> what are we going to do here, man? And he, he, you know, he had no hair and he'd take his hat off and he, you know, he'd go like that. I mean, like, what hair are you brushing, you know? And it was just, it was awesome. But <laughs> oh, Adam, you were you were there for the craziest of the Manny being Manny times. Do you have a go-to Manny story that you tell people? Um, <sighs> many, many, of, many of my Manny stories we cannot say on this podcast, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, Manny, um, we had to we had to give Manny his own little locker room at one point, I remember, uh, because it was just like he would just do the craziest shit to get ready. And, you know, he was just he'd be throwing shit in the clubhouse and, and like, you're like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm working on my swing. And you're like, he ain't working on your swing. You know, just just stupid shit like that. But, um, you know, to me. He was one of the greatest right-handed hitters I've ever seen. Um, and, you know, Manny being Manny was just part of the atmosphere and the culture we had. I mean, look, dude, we we fought. We loved each other. We got drunk together. We Our families hung out together. We were such a tight-knit group. And I hate that it got, you know, kind of broken up, but that's part of sports. But, um I look back on it, man. I'm like, shit, dude. When I was there, the Celtics were winning, the Red Sox were winning, the Patriots were winning. I mean, hell, Tom was had a one of those back bay high rises like on the corner of my street on Marlboro, and it seemed like you know in the summertime he was off. There's a freaking party there every night, and it was just like, 
the city was vibrant, man. Yeah. And and, and I loved it. All did, right. did you to go to those parties? A Tom Brady party? Uh no, I didn't. No. I was always playing because see, I was always playing. We were when I was in yeah. town, we always had yeah. All right, Pat. We're coming up on our time limit here. Last question. Little yeah. unorthodox. Let's hear your sales pitch as to why Dustin Pedroia should be in the Hall of Fame as he enters the ballot next year. Well, to me, uh, I I think he's first ballot Hall of Famer, like bar none. Um, you look at the service that he, he, he has provided to Major League Baseball, um, 18 years. Um, you look at the gold gloves. You look at the batting title. You look at the MVP. You look at the three World Series. Rookie of the year. Oh, yes. And rookie of the year. And um, which I might add, who was hitting like 210 the first month and a half of the season. And the media was all over him. And he actually proclaimed, I'm going to end up hitting over 300. Screw all y'all. I'm going to win rookie of the year. And I'm going back to my old swing and like did it. Um, not only that, like, you know, the. the the little things that that he did um, just for the city, I I don't know how he doesn't get in on the first ballot. Um, but the, all those things that I just said are all, you know, easy reasons why. Yeah. You know, Pap, this guy right here, he leads two franchises and saves, but his greatest accomplishment to date might be his play Tessie debut today. Pap, thank you, man. Thanks for coming on with us. We appreciate right. it. That sounds good, man. Y'all take care, man. That was freaking awesome. Uh, but before before we get into our uh, recap of the interview, just want to make sure you all subscribe, the Odyssey app, Spotify, Apple. Search WEI on YouTube. Find us there on the WEI YouTube channel. Play Tessie Fellas on the WEI YouTube channel. Subscribe there, too. We want you to get that notification every time we drop episodes. You want that notification too. Helps everyone out. Just hit that subscribe button. But on that note, that interview was awesome. Jonathan Papelbon is awesome. Like, I, I want to hear you guys. Like, what are your takeaways? Like, how, what was it like for you guys interviewing Pap? Um, well, I have this issue where I say the F word like it's a normal word to say. And that's just, you know, if you grow up in the Boston area, that just, I feel like that happens to a lot of us. And I dropped an F-bomb to Pap, and he kind of smiled. So it made me feel much more comfortable. I'm like, this is kind of my people. He has a, a potty mouth, for lack of a better term, just like me. So in a weird way, I was like, ah, nice. I can just talk like myself, which is sad, but nice. Yeah, no, he was full of A, energy, and B, just like phenomenal stories. Well, that's, that's the beauty of this whole thing is like you talk to Pap and like some of these, some people, you know, particularly people who are in the limelight, they like turn and then like behind the scenes that it's like, they're a completely different person. It's like the never meet your heroes deal. But like Pap is Pap. Like he's yeah. Cinco Ocho. Like this is, this is who he is, man. And like, it doesn't have like any, any other show he's, he's been on. Like you see it when he's on Nesson. You certainly saw it during the Cinco Ocho show out in Springfield at winter weekend. Like this. This guy's just, he's, he's full of life, man. Like he's an awesome dude. And like, we were lucky to watch him for so many years. And certainly like, I mean, we all watched him as kids. So like, it's a one of a kind experience 
getting to interview him on the, in this setting at least. Yeah. yeah it's, it's weird to to see someone you've watched on TV so much and then you like, you know, you go into the interview and they're in like a little box just like you are and you're like, "Oh my god, I'm you know, like you said, don't meet your heroes." I feel like I like Papelbon more now. He's 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 so cool. Yeah, none of us are disappointed. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that went well. I'm 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 happy with how that went, and I think uh, you guys both did a great job as well. Yeah, and then and then and the other beauty of this is that Pap, like obviously, like any former baseball player, is going to have awesome stories, and like Pap more than others is going to be willing to tell those stories. Like he's great about that, but at the same time, this is a guy who he's around the team a lot now. He did a lot of work in the Nesson booth last year. He was around the team in Springfield. Like he. I guess dropped a hint that maybe the Red Sox got something up their sleeve. That's something he said uh, on the radio with Bradfoe when we were there. We watched him say it out in Springfield. He said they had something up their sleeve then, and he said it again on the Play Tessie show. So I guess we're going to have to keep our eye out for that. He also bet the over, which is, uh, what, 82 wins? 82, yeah. 82 wins, so he thinks 83 wins at least. So that uh, that's so sad that that's, like, exciting for us. Yeah. But one nugget that I, one nugget that I liked though, was before it was kind of like, I think they have something like, I don't think they're done. He literally said, I don't want to divulge too far. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Make of that what you will. Not for nothing. His former teammate is Craig Breslow. And tomorrow the Red Sox are going to sign like a depth starting pitcher for like 750 K. And that's, that's going to be the move. Nope. Nope. Sorry. I'm being positive positive today. Well, you know what, Sammy, if uh, other takeaway here, if Alex core, if the Red Sox, whatever, they don't offer Alex core, whatever. And he leaves at the end of the year and he goes to the Dodgers, you know, who we're hiring as our next manager. I'm making the decision here. I'm Applebon. No, Brad Mills. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Brad Mills. Brad Mills. Brad Mills. Millsy. 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 Yeah. Millsy. All right. Well, that was great. We're all we're all energized now. Yeah. Enough said? Well, well, yeah, we'll be well, let's be energized in our enough said. And I'll go first because mine actually has to do with Pap. So I grew up in uh Wayland, Massachusetts, small town, uh, kind of near Newton and Weston, Sudbury, if you guys know where those towns are. I don't know where our listeners are, but small town about 35, 40 minutes outside of the city. And I was a, maybe a fourth or fifth grader. There was this rumor going around town that Pap was moving into a house in town. It was this really big house. And like, I could walk to it. He would have, I should like, this guy would be my neighbor in this house. And for the better part of a year, all we talked about was like me and my friends was, is this Papelbon? Like, is he going to move in there? And like, we saw people like moving in, whatever like, we couldn't see. Cause the house was kind of, it was a long driveway. Um, evidently it wasn't Pap. It was a family with quadruplets moved into the big house. Cause they had to support their quadruplets. Crazy. Didn't even know that was a thing until then. I didn't know there was such thing as more than twins until I saw quadruplets. Evidently, I think, I think he did end up living in our town. I'd have to, I'd have to ask him. One of these days, I'm going to ask him if he lived in Wayland. Someone someone told me they saw in a newspaper something about his wife, and it said like I think her name's Ashley Ashley Papelbon of Wayland, Massachusetts. So 
Kira, I'll, I'll have to ask Pap if he has any positive memory from Waylon. Maybe maybe there's some negative ones. But yeah, that's my enough said. Papelbon, potential resident of the land that raised Gordo, Wayland, Massachusetts. Wow. So he would only be the second most famous guy out of Wayland, if that's the case, after you. That is correct. Yep, that's correct. It's me, and then Pap, and, uh, and then Jay the Crowder. Girl who is the girl at the uh, the radar gun at Winter Weekend. Yeah. Radar gun. Girl. Oh, true. Yeah, radar gun girl at Winter Weekend. She, yeah, she could be after Pat, but in front of Jay Crowder. That's how it'll go. We're, we're the top four. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Okay. Pat, you want to go? Because my enough said is nothing to do with baseball. I'll go last. Okay. Well, I need to introduce to everybody a conspiracy theory that I've created in my own head. So, um, I like to shop at Trader Joe's, and. I think Trader Joe's is too good to be true. And guys, feel free to interject if you think that's the case. I brought some props. Okay. Kung Orange Pao chicken. chicken. This is a bit, it's the size of my head. This was $6 and it's really good. Teriyaki chicken, same thing, $6. So that's 12, that's, that's about four meals for $12. And the pot stickers. Like five bucks. Yo, I picked up those pot stickers yesterday too. They're great. <laughs> they rock. They're so good. And they, they, like the quality of the food. I had to interject on that. Trader Joe's frozen food rocks, dude. Yeah. Okay. That's this is why I figured somebody would have an opinion. Of course, it's the earthy crunchy boys. So my conspiracy is like it, it's a very broad conspiracy. There has to be something sinister with Trader Joe's. There's no way that they can give out this much good food. For this cheap and not have something sketchy going on. And from every corner of the world, too, they have uh, Chinese food, Japanese food, Indian food, Italian food, Mexican food, American stuff. I can go on and on. Kosher so food. They got do everything. Me, do, we want, do you want me to like burst your bubble a little bit here? Oh, you God. Can't. Well, they don't they like, pay their employees well? Like they, like, they, don't do. they also they do like, actually, their, like their employees have oh. a good so like what the hell? You're, you're right, Sam. Oh, it's like that's this thing. is so like that's the thing. It's like they buy. This is the Braves Foundation. God damn it! They buy wholesale from people and just put their name on it. Like it's not like, like that's just how that whole thing works. And they also use like a lot of plastic. I'm gonna be like that, like the lib in the chat. Um, well, if you're right, right they you're use right. a lot of like plastic packaging and like it's all very cheap, like produce that you're buying or like cheap products that you're buying. But it's go so back to your Subaru, tasty. asshole. Hey. I, I'm still buying buying Trader G's. That's who J's Trader J's. You look at it. You're so you're so you accidentally just said Biden instead of buying. So look Fuck. at you. Um, no, but for real, <laughs> like even even with that, Coop's probably right. Which it, my bubble's not burst. I'm still a little confused because the prices are insanely low. Like you would think in America, where you can be worth five point one billion dollars and still be cheap, <laughs> that a company like Trader Joe's would want to make. I don't know. I don't get it. It sketches me out. Am I going to stop buying food from them? <laughs> no chance. It's too good. Yeah, uh, Sammy. See, like I like that makes that's a good point because I I sh I do almost all my shopping at Costco. I freaking love Costco. Costco um, shit. But it makes sense why they're able to sell such items in bulk for such a good price because you're like people are paying the membership fee and like yeah. lucky me. Like my mom's got a membership and you get two cards. So I'm keeping that card forever. Never going off that. It's like it's like the health insurance thing, but you get to keep it forever. So that's me at yeah. Costco. But Trader Joe's, 
sense though, because they, they and they're right up front with you. They're like, we're wholesale. We get we you buy in bulk. You buy anything you want from us. But it just feels like the 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 food is too good at Trader Joe's for it to make sense. If it sucked, like if you're having like Kirkland hot dogs and it's a buck, all right, whatever. Like I know I'm eating trash, but it tastes good. This is like. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm overthinking it. I'm probably overthinking it, but something sinister is happening. I'm convinced of it. Sammy, you know what this reminds me of? It's like uh do we we might have talked about it on this podcast. Have we talked about like the mattress firm theory yeah. on this podcast? Yeah. How that's yeah, like a how it's uh, money laundering? Right. Like I I don't think that Trader Joe's is money laundering cuz like that's not what this is, but Unless any, uh, unless there are any mattress companies that want to sponsor the podcast, just want to put that. You're in always welcome. Oh, true, true. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll cut that. We'll go back. How, no, no, no. Listening. Speak your speak your truths. No, no, no. no. I'm, we're not going to cut it. We're not going to cut it. No. Saying, if they want to correct their, if they if they, if they, they want to change us. the opinion, the public opinion on them, come talk to us. If any, okay. How about this? If any mattress company would like to come clean and admit that they're money laundering, Play Tessie will back you up. Yes. Yes. We will put ourselves on the line for you. Sammy, you are a PR rep. This is this is what you do. Spin yeah. zone. And let me tell you, this would be fantastic PR <laughs> to stand up for a company admitting to money laundering. Because hell yeah. If they're willing to tell the truth, then how can we say we're better? There's the PR spin. I agree. Sammy, this this is what you're here for, man. This is this is why you're so valuable to us. Giving terrible advice? No, you give great advice. Yeah. All right, Pat, what do, Pat, what do you got? What do you got? What's your All next right. said? Much much like Papelbon, I will not divulge too far into what I know. But we have another interview next week and I think everyone's going to love it. Oh, who could it be with? I don't know. I don't we know. Don't. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? People will love it. He's a cool guy. I'm guessing. Who knows? Maybe I know. Maybe I don't. We'll see. It's crazy. No, <laughs> I'm guessing. Nobody has a clue who you're talking about, which is the best no. part. Yep. No. And anyway. if I won't say, no, no, I'm not going to hit it too much. I'm not going to hit it too much. <laughs> yeah, don't give it away. <laughs> yeah, I won't no, give it away. God. I won't how give could it away. He? How, could he? <laughs> how, could, how could he do that, man? I won't give, give it, away? it away. Oh, man. Yes, that will be fun. I'm excited to. I'm uh, super excited. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. We'll have a good time. Oh, Get the yeah, interviews up on oh, the stories me and him could tell. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> again, who? who <laughs> um, what well, we should all right we should all fuel ways. up. We we should all fuel up with some fair trade Trader Joe's coffee before the interview next week. And there I know we, we all agree on that. No free ads, unless you want to sponsor us. In which case, it's not free. Oh, yeah. Coop just jumped in. I, th- I thought Coop was going to yell at me for talking about Trader Joe's coffee, like the because he's a coffee guy. But I think, yeah, he could he could have been considering it, but evidently, it's he, kind he of back, I don't he coffee back. shame. Have whatever yeah. coffee you want. Yeah, Trader Joe's coffee is like it, it's pretty like mid. It's not bad. I'm an ally. Okay, Coop's a Trader Joe's coffee ally. The you guys. You guys can have your coffee. I've had two sips of coffee in my life. I don't think I'll be having a third. That's wild. I, I love, two, I love I when we two. find out, like, like every few episodes, we find out something wild about Gordo. Oh, wait, 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 wait. This is a great pivot. I had two iced coffees today. Sammy, 
We are the same. Every coffee I've gotten the past three years, less ice. Less ice, right? Less ice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Sammy, give that advice on Play Tessie. Give more value. I, I thought oh. that was smart. If I drank coffee, I would have appreciated the hell out of that okay. tweet. So uh, it's like a Duncan hack. And I'm not even joking. This actually, it works. And you get way more coffee. When you order on the app or in person and you get an iced coffee, ask for less ice. Because Duncan and any other coffee place, they will like load up your coffee with ice, which translates to less coffee. Um, I do this every single time. I, I say it works better in the winter because the weather keeps your iced coffee cold, but you can do it in the summer too. And uh, it gives you, I would say, like 20% more coffee. It, it makes a difference. Pat, you say you do it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, shout out, Duncan. <laughs> the best coffee in the land. Uh, less ice. Less ice. Well, you know what? On that note, I hope you guys enjoyed our interview with Jonathan Papelbon. We certainly enjoyed talking to Pap. Pap's the best. Before you head out, just remember, click that subscribe button, Odyssey app, Spotify, Apple. Search that WEI Play Tessie on YouTube. Find us there. Subscribe there. But yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, shout out Wilkie, a listener fighting at Rough and Rowdy. Yep. Oh, really? Oh, yep. let's go. Go Wilkie. Let's go. Yeah, shout out Wilkie. Uh, I'm sure Wilkie subscribes. <laughs> you should too. And uh, good luck, Wilkie, at Rough and Rowdy. Bless you, Pat. Bless you, Thank Pat. You. Thank you, Pap, for the interview. This has been Play Tessie, episode 31. A really good one. To Lou.